Welcome in to the Browns Wire podcast with me, Travis Rogers, and Josh Keatley. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing all right. That uh, game was a bit disappointing, as I'm, I'm sure everyone feels the same way. I didn't even watch it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I, I would, if you haven't seen it yet, I would advise against it. Um, I would rather listen to Tom Cruise's laugh than watch that game again. Like, Ooh. just listen to Tom Cruise's laugh for like three hours straight with my, with a blindfold on would be better than watching that offensive performance. That seems to be pretty much everybody's gripes, uh, hot takes, gripes, um, negative opinions. It all seems to be focusing on that offense. So, uh, as we all know, the Browns played a game on Monday night, and uh, I have to be honest, there, there was obviously the good and the bad, but, you know, they didn't come out with a victory, and uh, they, they could have had that one. That was a very winnable game after – you know, watching it, um, I, I, I would say you would agree with that probably. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad that they lost. That's not the aggravating part. Um, I'm not. It, there's just a lot more negatives and positives. I think the defense played great. You know, uh, de- the, basically the whole defensive backfield was was on was injured that week. Um, so you had Justin Burrow starting at safety, who just joined the team on Friday, uh, who had interception. But the defense played great. The defensive line looked great. I know I heard some people griping about the lack of pressure that they had, but I thought that they were getting they were quick off the ball. I thought Miles Garrett worked Andrew Whitworth really well. Um, I think Jared Goff got rid of the ball quickly. I think that was part of the offensive game plan for the Rams. Uh, but I still think we played super effective. I think the linebackers moved all around the field. Joe Schobert. Mac Wilson, those guys really showed off their athleticism because I, th- I believe Kirksey was out uh, injured as well. Uh, but the defense, I, have, I really have no gripes about. It's the offense that was just utterly pathetic, and I, it's just it's completely shocking that we're that that's the case three weeks in. See, I'm I'm uh, I've got mixed opinions on the defense. Uh, the best things for me on the defense, I mean, Todd Gurley was a non-factor. If you can make him a non-factor, then you're doing really damn good. And considering the fact that. The Browns pretty much made the Rams. I mean, they they had to throw the ball, and plain and simple, that's what they had to do. That was really good. But the Browns, you know, as we know, their secondary was you know just so banged up. And really, I mean, overall, you can't be mad at that performance, really at all. Uh, they they played extremely well, held the Rams to twenty points. They made it winnable. They they put the offense in positions positions to you know score. I mean, they got three turnovers. They had two interceptions, and then that lovely lovely strip sack. Um, that Miles Garrett had, uh, that, you know, uh, shoot, what's his name? Uh, shoot, who's the middle linebacker? God, uh, Schobert, Joe Schobert. The oh, Joe Schobert? Sh- yeah, Joe Schobert picked it up and he was off to the races. It's a shame he ran into his guy because I think he could have taken it back for six maybe. But, uh, despite that, the, the only, the only issues I had with the defense really at all during the night was the fact that Cooper Cup just made such a huge impact for them. And granted, this entire starting secondary was out, but man, his two touchdowns he had, he blew, I mean, TJ Carey had a heck of a game, had a heck of a game, but that touchdown he had in the corner of the end zone where he just made, T, he just broke TJ Carey's ankles, you know, it, and it's just a shame because he had help in the middle and he had, they were playing that zone, but he, uh, he just got blown up in the single weak spot in their zone defense. And then of course they had that, uh, he had that kind of drag route across the middle where just nobody picked him up and he just scored a quick, easy touchdown to put him in the lead. And that's really what, uh, ended up being the deciding factor. Aside from that though, you know, turnovers, they, the defense put the offense in positions to score. And like you said, that offense was what, uh, was just pitiful all game long. It was horrible. So I, I guess if you want to speak more to the offense, go right ahead. Well, you know, and I know Cooper Cup was kind of a stat monster, um, on Sunday, but I, somebody, that offense is, is extremely high powered. That's a great offense. That was, the uh, offense was in the Super Bowl last year. Someone's going to get through. Something is, you can't, block everything out, right? Something is going to leak through. Um, so uh, Cooper Cup was the guy. If it was anybody else, the t- it might have been even more disastrous, you know, uh, like you said, Todd Gurley or Robert Woods. And I, I, had, I really have no complaints because uh, you look at guys, the guys that were covering them were TJ Carey, who really stepped up. I think he had led the team with tackles with six, had that amazing interception. Uh, Terrence Mitchell was out there. And, you know, Ter- these are guys that we all thought were question marks or on the roster bubble. And Steve Wilkes did a great job of putting them in position to make plays. Eric Murray even played well. Uh, the only defensive back that really didn't play well was just was Jermaine Whitehead. And he was out there every snap. A guy like that shouldn't even be out there every snap. So you're really not going to hear a whole lot of cl- complaints from me, even though they couldn't really contain Cup. Uh, but he he still only had two touchdowns. So, like I said, I, I just feel like it's a, you know, 
I, I, I'm not. There's not going to be any complaints coming from me in, in regards to the defense. In regards to the offense, I, I just think it, it's rough. I don't know. They they don't know what their identity is. They haven't found it yet. I think everybody that they've hired uh, in regards to like Do- Todd Monken as the offensive coordinator, it, it doesn't really fit what we have, what we're built for. He's really gone. Freddie Kitchens has really gone away from what we did last year. You know, we're having three wide receivers out there, four wide receivers out there. Uh, you know, the plays close to the goal line are, are kind of where you're, it, it's a perfect, it encapsulates perfectly what this offense has done and what this offense has done wrong, right? You're not seeing multiple tight ends out there. You're not seeing the rhythm pass. You're not seeing Baker Mayfield roll out. And a lot of this is on Baker Mayfield. It's not all on the coaching. Um, I think 99% of it is on the coaching and their inabilities. But Baker, you could tell he's got happy feet. I don't know if he doesn't trust his offensive line. Um, I don't know if, if, if maybe he's having a, a bit of a sophomore slump. I don't know what's going on there, but he does have happy feet. He's not helping his offensive line by reacting the way he is. Um, but I do think those are all things that can improve. I do think that this team can find its groove. Uh, and I'm not, I'm really not too concerned with it moving forward. But I'm getting there. I'm definitely getting there. Yeah, I, I'm already concerned, but I think they can figure it out. I mean, we said at the start of the season, you know, granted, you don't have as many chances in the NFL to get get your team right. But we remember when LeBron James first went to the Heat. They started out horrible. They ended up in the finals. So they've got time. They've got to fit. They do have to figure it out sooner rather than later, though. The thing you said about Baker Mayfield with the happy feet, I mean, you can just look at the final play of the game, and it was such a killer. I mean, he snapped the ball, and as soon as he got that ball, he rolled out right. Not only did he cut half of his, you know, he cut half the field off as soon as he got the ball, and there was just no chance after that. And it's such a shame, too, because if he stepped up in the pocket, I mean, he's not a running quarterback. He has a little bit of mobility. But he could have just walked that in the end zone with how the DBs were reacting. They did not respect his feet at all in that. But aside from that, you know, the offense just seems stagnant. Like we've said, the the there's film out of you just the wide receivers running routes directly into the strong spots of the zone, and it makes zero sense. I mean, nobody's sitting down in the soft spot of the zone at all. I mean, they ran uh, three verticals or four verticals directly into cover four. That's not going to work. So the Browns, you know, the, it, I'm not sure if it's the Todd Munkin playbook influence that's come from Tampa Bay or if it's just Freddie not calling the correct plays at the right time, but they're going to have to figure it out. And really, I mean, we look at last year, I don't think the playbook of Todd Haley was completely thrown out the window last year, and Freddie based his offense basically on what they already had, and he added a little bit of wrinkles to it, a few wrinkles to it, and the offense just looked so much more creative last year. The offense last night, I mean, the only success they really had was on that little RPO that Baker Mayfield's, you know, he's ran that back to his Oklahoma days. And even then, those passes started to get very risque by the end of the uh, game. I mean, there was a pass that was completely blocked, but somehow it was, I mean, Mayfield threw it so fast that it hit the defender's arm and somehow it just bounced directly up and Ratley kind of just took a hold of it and got it. So, you know, that, that play that kept him in rhythm, it was the strongest play they had on offense all night, but the defense was starting to sit on it. And the same thing went with the screen pass. I mean, I think that there was one early on that worked really well, but then the defense snuffed it out real fast. So the, the offense, like I said, I'm, I agree with you. I think they have time to figure it out. I think they can figure it out, and, and I think they need to figure it out sooner rather than later. But I think they can do it. Yeah, the whole thing about that, that Baker run, too, or the, the, him having that opportunity to run, I saw that float around on Twitter as well. I'm not completely sold on that. There were three guys right there. So I'm not necessarily sold that he was actually going to take that to a touchdown for a touchdown or, or that he was missing an, uh, an opportunity necessarily. But I definitely get what you're saying. I, yeah, I, de- I definitely understand. And I think that the Todd Monken thing, when you look back at what he did at Tampa Bay, that offense was built more for the deep pass, right? They had Mike Evans, who's six foot five and would, you know, go up for the jump ball. You had Deshaun Jackson who ran that four two, who had that four two speed. The same with the same thing with Marquise Godwin. Um you that was that's how that offensive line was built. Even the running back, Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber, the only reason that guy still has a job right now is because he's such an excellent pass blocker. And then Jameis Winston, he got he throws it up. Completely opposite style of Baker Mayfield. So that offense was just kind of built differently. Not better. 
definitely worse. I mean, but honestly, Odell Beckham is really the only guy we had that's that's a really an elite deep threat. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had three, and they still had OJ Howard underneath in case things went wrong. I think that's people are overlooking that fact that this offense is just not built like Tampa Bay last year. Yeah, I agree with that. It's not built. And, and to your point about the you know, Baker. Uh having that running lane or whether he didn't have the running lane. I mean, even if he didn't have the running lane, I mean, I would just like to see him step up in the pocket more. But, of course, that kind of speaks to his confidence in an offensive line. I, I will agree that he he probably didn't step up uh, into the pocket as often as he should have. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I mean, when you have Aaron Donald bearing down on you, yeah, it's kind of hard to trust any line. I mean, we saw him just destroy Joel Batonio, and Batonio is probably uh, the best, if not second best, lineman that we have. So if you got Aaron Donald breathing down your neck, yeah, I can understand why you'd get happy feet. But, you know, you would think that, you know, Baker Mayfield has that confidence and that swagger to say, I'm going to step up anyway. I mean, you know, there were one or two times where he he was pretty much caught by Aaron Donald, but he just broke away with his uh, strength alone. And it's it's just it's a shame that the Browns are dealing with what they're dealing with right now because, I mean, they're getting buried in the media. They're getting buried by the outside. So I think well deserved though. Yes, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely. Well, I mean, it's absolutely. Everybody's well overreacting. No yes. one needs a jump ship. This is still. I, I, I'll, I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. This is still a Super Bowl caliber team. They can pick it up tomorrow. They're it just, there's no, they're just finding their groove. All the talent is there. All the pieces are there. You can see flashes of it. The defense is already there. The defense looked like hot garbage against the Titans. Okay, well they figured it out and they figured it out fast. The the offense is just it's just taking a little bit longer. I think your LeBron comparison. I think your LeBron comparison is a good comparison. I I don't think it's 100% appropriate because it's not the NBA. The NBA, you got way longer time to find your groove. The NFL, they, they got to find it soon. They, they got a couple more weeks of this BS before we really got to kick into emergency mode. Yeah, and I, I got to say, too, you know, that that's the thing. I mean, it's like you said, all the talent's there, and I really think they'll pick it up. I mean, the defense is already, you know, they've already shown massive improvement from the start of the season. And really, if that offense just does – just picks it up by, you know, 50% better than what they were. They're going to put up way more points and they're going to put, they're going to win games. And really, I mean, you know, the sky's not falling. If the Browns win this week, they ha- they own the tiebreaker in their first place in the division. So th- there's nothing really to jump off a bridge about just yet. The Browns are still very, very much, uh, they've got a lot of games left to play for. And really, you know, the importance of the divisional games um, can't be stated enough because those are the games that are going to, you know, hopefully set them up to win the division. And uh, so far, you know, the AFC is still kind of a crapshoot. I mean, there's several three and O teams, but it's early in the season, and every and there's a lot of you know kind of middle ground one and two, two and one teams. So the Browns are right in the thick of it. There's nothing really to worry about yet. I just think that the offensive play calling. I, I honestly, I think they need to get away from get get more so away from the Todd Munkin playbook that he has brought to the table and get more towards the Freddie Kitchens playbook of last year with the creativity uh and I think I think they'll do it I mean if they don't then it's going to be a long long season but I, I think they're figuring it out Freddie's taking the blame for it and even Jarvis Landry came up to Freddie after the game the other night uh I can't remember who the source was on it but they said you know Jarvis told Freddie we've got everything we need here It'll be fine. We're going to turn it on. Don't worry about it. And he has complete confidence in the personnel. So, you know, you've got that leadership in the locker room. Everything should be okay. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. Maybe I'm even overreacting about the the Baker Mayfield thing. Uh, you know, like you said, Aaron Donald's coming at you. And Joe Batonio's great. We all know he's great. We all know he's elite. But, I mean, it, he basically looks like a Cabbage Patch doll trying to block Aaron Donald, as most people do. I mean, that's just it's just how it goes against Aaron Donald. So perhaps I am overreacted a bit. I have noticed it a little bit through the first couple weeks with Baker Mayfield. But that is something that's easy correct, easily correctable. I still com- got a complete faith in Freddie Kitchens. I still have faith in what Todd Monken brings. I just You heard a lot of people and saw a lot of people on Twitter really wanting – more of Todd Monken to call, wanting Todd Monken to call the plays. I mean, it was even brought up at the press conference, and Freddie said, no way. And I don't think that that would solve the issue that we're seeing anyways. I feel like they just have to find their groove. Yeah, and I agree with that. I want Freddie to keep calling the plays. This is his team. He needs to call the plays. He was formerly the offensive coordinator. Let him call the plays because if he, you're not going to, you're not going to, um, if, if Todd Monken were to start calling the plays and the offense started finding success, the media is going to start hammering Freddie even more. There's no winning for him. The only way he wins in this situation is if he keeps calling the plays and the offense turns it around, and I think they will. I mean, granted, 
I think he'll never call a draw play on fourth and nine again. But at the same time, had that play worked, everybody would be calling him an absolute genius today for calling that well, risky that play call. That play works in Madden all the time, so I completely understand why he called it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I, I understand I, exactly. It's stuff like that, though. He'll he'll definitely improve based off of that. You know, he's still a first year head coach. It's still Baker's second year. There's just things that need to fall into a groove. But the defense, though, we need to not focus on all the negatives the defense played great the defense is fantastic you get greedy back this week you get denzel ward back this week um you know it, it, the, the defense is fantastic i think by the, at the end of the year this defense is going to be one of the more the more higher ranked ones uh in both rushing and passing uh I, i'm not worried about them at all i think steve wilkes puts them in great position i think he knows how to work this defense i i'm excited about this defense and i'll tell you too just just my final point on the game you know i, I don't know how many um, penalties the browns had total but it did not seem nearly as many as we've had so you know we're just we've seen improvement each week and i think they're going to get there um we just ran into you know a true super bowl contender and really i mean they hung with them they hung with them and they should have won the game had the offense capitalized on everything the defense gave them so you know a lot of positive to take to take away despite wanting to pull your hair out watching that offense at times i would agree with that okay so uh this week the browns are um in their first divisional class clash of the uh, first divisional clash of the year against the Baltimore Ravens, and this one I'd say this is a big game. Um, this is one that the Browns do need to win. Uh, I'd say in terms of uh, the fact that it's a divisional opponent and it would help uh, right the ship uh, quite a lot and would get a lot of uh, would ease a lot of people's fears. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Again, I hate calling games a must win. I think that that's so. That's one of those concepts that's. It's like when you see people calling every pass a dime or a generational prospect. I think it's overused. I don't think it's a must win. I do th- say that they have to compete though. If the Ravens smash them, and if we're if we're having the same conversation about the Ravens next week as we are the Rams this week, that's an issue. This season, yeah, we, we can probably kiss Super Bowl contender goodbye. Uh, but I don't think the season is necessarily over whether they win or whether they lose. But they can't get they can't get smashed. They just can't. No, they, they, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Like I said, I, I, I don't say most games are must win. I, I just have a feeling that, you know, this one, this one definitely matters. I mean, they're going into Baltimore. If they can pull off this win, that'll be big later on because we have Baltimore coming to our place. And I think that, I mean, to me, you know, you got to win your divisional games. I mean, that's six games. And, you know, really, if you go nine and seven, you've got a decent shot. And if you go nine and seven and you have the majority of your divisional games won, then you're going to own some tiebreakers possibly. So I, I, I'm putting a lot of importance on this one personally. Uh, but at the same time, while I am nervous about it, I think the Browns can win this game. I'm not, I am not very, uh, terrified of Lamar Jackson when he's throwing the football. I am very terrified when he gets loose and has room to run, but I am not terrified of his throwing arm. Yeah, I don't think that we, we kind of had a discussion about them earlier in the year. I don't think that they're a good team. I think that this is a fake good team. I'll, I'll go ahead and use that term. Um, I, I know that this, I know that a lot of people are thinking the Ravens are good. The spread, this spread opened up as a, the Ravens is three point favorites. Everybody's been jumping on it. The Ravens are now seven point favorites. I might jump on it the other way. I'm thinking that the Browns are, I think that the Browns can win outright. I mean, just like you, I, I know that the Ravens are coming off a very impressive game against the Chiefs where they barely lost 33 28. But remember, the Chiefs were up 17 by 17 points in two separate occasions during that game. Okay, so a lot of that, the reason that the close score was so close was because the Chiefs never really put their foot on the Ravens' throat. Okay, but I think if they wanted to, the game would be much uglier. The Browns historically don't have the best record against the Ravens. Of course, the Browns historically don't have the best record against anybody. But the last seven games, they've gone one and six against the Ravens, uh, and they've also they're three and seventeen away. So obviously, the Browns struggle. That's probably something you haven't heard before. But like you said about the Ravens' offense, I, I'm not worried about it. The mix between our defense being fantastic and the Ravens' offense being, I think, overrated. I, I'm not worried about it at all. Lamar Jackson. I think he's a really good quarterback. I'm not bashing him. I'm not one that thinks he needs to be moved to running back. I, I'm just in the middle. I think that there's a middle ground with him. We don't have to talk about him like he's the next coming of Randall Cunningham or Brett Favre or whoever you want to compare him to. But we don't have to say he sucks. But if you do have to force him to throw the ball, 
That's that is definitely his weakness. His accuracy is his weakness, and I, this is this defensive line and these linebackers are built to beat Lamar Jackson. Miles Garrett has the speed. Olivier Vernon has the speed and annoyance. This defense is built to get in his face and make him throw the ball, and they're built to stop Mark Ingram. So I'm not too concerned about what this offense can do. And even Hollywood Brown, I know he's got insane Olympic speed. We have guys in the backfield that are just as athletic. So the offense doesn't scare me. The real scare on my side is the defense the Ravens defense okay so to to go with the Ravens offense I'll start with them and then we can move to their defense the thing about the Ravens offense and I watched a good chunk of the Kansas City Baltimore game last week and if you keep if Lamar Jackson keeps his head on straight he's a very strong quarterback he makes good throws he doesn't make too many mistakes but when you take away when you take away his ability to get out of the pocket and run, and you force him to throw the ball, especially when he's out of the pocket, I saw some throws that made me think, good lord, this looks like Johnny Manziel in college just tossing the ball up and hoping somebody grabs it and then getting lucky, and their receiver grabs it. I rem- And I'm sure people have seen the highlights. There were two, at least two plays where Lamar Jackson rolled out, got to the edge of the sideline, and just heaved that ball as high as he could in the air. And somehow Willie Sneed came down with it. It was a horrible, horribly defended ball by the Kansas City Chiefs defense. I mean, these are these are passes that are pick six city for good defenders. And the fact that the Ravens came down with some of these balls, it, it gives me a lot of confidence in terms of how our defense played against Jared Goff and the Rams. In terms of Mark Ingram, he had a pretty decent game, but again... The Ravens scored most of their points in what I would consider garbage time when the Chiefs already put themselves so far ahead of the Ravens that it was going to be a miracle for a true comeback anyway. So, uh, like you said, our defense is built to shut this down. And I think, you know, part of what John Dorsey was looking at when he was trying to build the team was, okay, our divisional rivals are the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Bengals. I don't think uh, Dorsey gave much respect to what the Bengals had, and he didn't think Andy Dalton was, you know, going to last long. And this is just, you know... um, conjecture of course but then he looked at the Steelers and he saw an aging Big Ben you don't really know what the Steelers are going to end up doing but he saw Lamar Jackson the Ravens and that was the young upstart in terms of Lamar Jackson and he kind of built that defense to stop him um and of course you know they're, they're built to stop other things too but in terms of the division I mean I think you know literally it's it's uh scissors versus rock in terms of what the Browns have to what the Ravens have. I hope I don't eat those words, but I really hope that uh, the Ravens are the scissors and we are the rock in the game of rock, paper, scissors. I do think you bring up a good point with Lamar Jackson throwing the ball. Again, I think he's good. Okay, he, he's probably in the upper, he's an upper echelon quarterback, okay? But he m- throws a lot of balls that most quarterbacks wouldn't, right? Instead of when he scrambles around on third down, instead of throwing it out, throwing it away, he chucks it across the field. Like you said, a lot of times on the opposite end of the field, which is kind of a big, which is a big no-no for pretty much every NFL quarterback, except there's two of them that could do it. Patrick Mahomes can do it, and I guess Lamar Jackson can do it, and it, a lot of times it works. But, like you said, those aren't going to work every time. You can't consistently throw 50-50 balls and come up with them 75-25. That's just not how it works. So, and the Browns have a good enough defensive backfield to stop the, as long as they stay at home, stay on their guy, blah, 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 play good assignment football. They can do that. They can, they can limit what he can do. Yeah, and that being said, you know, they, they're going to have to have a spy on them. Plain and simple, they have to have a spy, and that spy has to be able to make the tackle and either, either make the tackle or they have to slow him up for the rest of the defense to just crush him. I mean, that's all there is to it, and I think that they'll do that. In terms of the Ravens' defense, I, I guess we'll, I'll, I'll let you go start with the Ravens' defense. Well, what scares you about the Ravens' defense? Well, the Ravens have a great defensive line and a great set of defensive backs. The defensive line scares me specifically because we couldn't hang with Aaron Donald. I know Aaron Donald's a freak, but that also shows the weakness that is the interior of offensive line. And obviously, we still have our number one and number two right tackle out. So Justin McCray, hopefully... Chris Hubbard's back, even though that's only a slight upgrade at this point. Uh, But Justin McCray might be the starter as well. But this defensive line, the Ravens are in a 3-4, and all three of these defensive linemen are absolutely huge. Brandon Williams is 6'1", 336 pounds. Uh, Michael Pierce is 340 pounds. And then Chris Wormley is the smallest one. And he ain't exactly small either. And I, I expect the Ravens to run a very similar defense to what they did against the Chiefs last week. Brandon Williams is a guy that... I. He doesn't typically play all the snaps on defense, mostly because he's so big and gets tired, right? Well, against the Chiefs, I believe he played 66% of the snaps last week, right, to stop that Chiefs run game. 
I think you can expect the same kind of level of play from him this week, and he could be very devastating. He's a very inconsistent player because he does. There's a lot. He takes a lot of plays off, but when he's on, he's on. And this is a kind of the Browns have a, the 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 Browns' weakness is the interior of their offensive line. So he might be able to take advantage of that. Michael Pierce is, is the nose right there on the inside, and he's also another very good defensive lineman, uh, really stepped up. Chris Wormley's also very solid at defensive end. And the defensive backs scare me too. The def- and We really struggled against the Rams' defensive backs, and the, the Ravens got a pretty good setup too. Again, the Rams are Super Bowl contenders, and I— but the the Ravens' defensive backfield's right up there, man. Uh, Earl Thomas, I don't think I had to tell you much about Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas is an elite safety. He's still an elite safety. And then this dude, he's out looking to prove that he's still an elite safety because after the Seahawks wouldn't pay him, right? And then you got the corners, Marlon Humphrey, Brandon Carr. Brandon Carr had a, a really good interception last week. I think it got... Uh, negated due to some penalty on uh, Tony Jefferson maybe uh, but Marlon Humphreys shut down he's young Tony Jefferson's the other safety another physical there it's a very physical defensive backfield so that kind of scares me as well so that being said uh, I agree pretty much 100% with everything you said so the Browns once again like we said last week they're gonna have to establish that run game and Nick Chubb had a very good uh, weekend last weekend or on Monday um, you know 23 carries 96 yards had a touchdown taken away from him because of a really, really dumb penalty. But, um, you know, if we can establish that run and then the play calling, they got to figure it out. I mean, that's that's all they have to do. If they if that's all they have to do is, you know, figure it out. And once they do that, then this offense can hum. And I think that they can, you know, I, I don't think the Browns want to get in a track meet with the Ravens. If they get in a track meet, then that means our defense is really suffering. And I don't think we can keep up with the Ravens if it ends up being a track meet. I, like I said, I'm not worried about it becoming a track me. I'm worried about us not being able to score on this defense. But they're not impenetrable. I, the Chiefs scored twenty. The Chiefs scored 23 points on them in the second quarter. I know we're not the Chiefs. I know our offense hasn't even looked at, even close to that. But 23 points is a lot of points to give up in one quarter. We should be able to get something. We should be able to get some points on the board. I would expect more than la- the 13 pedestrian points we put up against the Rams. Yeah, no, the 13 points. Ah, gosh, that is hard. Uh, considering everything that the defense gave them, that's so horrible. If the defense can also create some turnovers again and put the offense in good positions to play, I mean, like we said, I hate to keep harping on it, but it just all depends on whether or not that offense is going to start playing or not. If they don't play, then they're going to have issues. And like you said, that was your concern is the Browns aren't going to be able to score. And it's t- it's another tough outing for that offense because, you know, they can't really – they can't, you know – they they ha- they're facing a tough defense, you know. It may not ju- it may not be oh the Browns just can't get it going. No, it just may be the credit to the Ravens defense. You know, it's not like they're playing some pushover where they can get it going no matter what. And, and there you go. But they're gonna they're gonna struggle with guys like Earl Thomas, and I, I think they're gonna they might struggle a little bit to get that running game started. But that being said, I think the running game will be the key here. If they can get that, if they if Nick Chubb can get his yards and they can carve up that defense a little bit and not get and, you know, second and long, third and long, um, then, you know, maybe they can do some quick strikes with Baker and really use some play action and open it up. And I think, you know, the, I think the Browns are in a good position here, really. They, the Ravens, they don't scare me uh, too much. They don't, they don't strike fear into me like the Raven, uh, the Rams did. And I think this is a very winnable game. Um, but, you know, it, it just, it all depends on that play calling. And that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, gun to my head, I would definitely take the Browns plus the seven points. Uh, I, again, I'm not worried about our defense at all. It's our offense that I'm worried about. I think everybody has the same sentiment. Uh, but the defense, it, our, the Ravens' offense relies around a lot of players that aren't fully developed, or they do one thing really well and then they exploit that. Right, Marquise Brown going deep. Uh, Marky Andrews is probably the most total package, and they kind of just that he he kind of just fell into their lap, uh, and he didn't have the best game last week either. So I think that the Browns can really really limit what the Ravens can do because the Browns are so talented on defense and they put it together they put it together if you can stop the Rams with your backup defensive backfield then you're there so I'm not too worried about the Ravens offense no and like I what I really want to see this week I would love to see the defense actually put some points on the board take a little bit of pressure off that offense you know I mean get get that strip sack and actually take it to the house somehow or get that interception and follow the blockers and take it to the house uh, I know it's asking a lot but you know what better team to do it against than the Ravens and uh, kind of shut down that crowd because you know they're gonna be going into a hostile environment I mean Baltimore's no uh, no easy place to play especially uh, 
with the animosity between the fan bases and the and the uh, teams. Well, and like I said, the Browns are in the last twenty games. The Browns are three and seventeen in a wet at a the last set twenty away games. The Browns are three and seventeen. So the odds are not in our favor traveling. All right. So uh, moving on from the Ravens game, um, let's see. Uh, how do you want to start the college? college stuff this week well the Buckeyes actually got a big game they played Nebraska at 730 so I was actually kind of excited to look over some prospects that are actually gonna make an impact at the next level and make it drafted early yeah so the Buckeyes take on Nebraska in the middle of a cornfield and that usually doesn't turn out well for the Buckeyes at least it hasn't in the last two seasons so uh we I know a little bit about the Nebraska quarterback, but aside from him, I'm sure you'll touch on him, but aside from that, who who do you see from Nebraska that can give Ohio State fits and could make it to the next level? Well, I actually wasn't even going to I wasn't even going to gloss over Adrian Martinez because I don't view him as a legit as a legitimate NFL prospect, at least not yet. Um now Nebraska has been extremely disappointing, right? They struggled with Illinois last week. They lost to Colorado outright. Uh, so they're definitely not the most impressive team. Ohio State's actually favored by 16 points. So they're not, according to Vegas, they're not that much better than Cincinnati. And I'd probably agree with that. But as far as NFL talent goes, they have a couple, they have three guys I think could really make an impact to the next level. And a couple guys that might get drafted early this year. Uh, it's funny because two of them are twins, Carlos Davis and Khalil Davis. Both these guys play defensive end and the Nebraska's 3-4 scheme. Uh, so obviously they fit best as defensive tackles at the next level. The better brother is probably Carl Davis, 6'2", 325. Uh, both of them are seniors. He played nose tackle a lot last season, played it at a very high level, learned the position very fast. They moved him back out this season. They just He's a versatile piece with elite quickness. So I really like what he can do, which is super surprising because Nebraska's defense has been extremely disappointing. Uh, and it's funny, too, because the, the Twins also lead the Cornhuskers in sacks. Carl, Carlos leads the uh leads them with two and a half sacks and Khalil has two sacks so it's kind of funny there too but the other bro- brother the other brother Khalil Davis uh six foot two three or ten pounds another senior he, again same kind of player definitely not as good definitely not as much of an athlete that's why he doesn't move up much across the line like his brother does but Khalil's also got great quickness I think both those players could hear their names called um Carlos again much earlier than Khalil but those guys are both players that I could see making an impact at the NFL. Uh, another player that's probably not going to leave early, but I could see being a hot commodity next year, J.D. Spielman, the wide receiver. He's also an elite punt returner, 5'9", 185. He's only a junior. Again, I don't see him coming out, but next year I think he could be a real find uh, more, you know, you're looking at you look at wide receivers like Antonio Callaway and uh, you know uh, Richie James and guys like that that play a lot of reps. Uh, J.D. Spielman kind of fits that bill. He's very quick. A lot of people already know him because he's the son of uh, the Vikings, Minnesota Vikings GM Rick Spielman, also the nephew of Ohio State and Detroit Lion great Chris Spielman. So you might already know him. He was a really great lacrosse player in high school, was recruited by Ohio State to play lacrosse. Unfortunately, was not recruited to play football, so he did go to Nebraska. Uh, He's got 18 receptions on the year for 383 yards. He's definitely an elite athlete. He's one of the more exciting athletes in the country despite his size. So there you have it for the Nebraska recruiting. Um, I don't see the Buckeyes actually having much problem with Nebraska. I think Ryan Day has kind of fixed the issue of Ohio State traveling. At least I hope so. Um I guess uh, one one thing, uh, if if people want to take a look, uh, this is one of the more ridiculous things I think I've ever seen. If you look into the history of Nebraska logos, um, and you look at their mascot logo from 1936 to 1952, uh, you might get a laugh out of it. It's one of the more ridiculous logos I've ever seen. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not, Josh. Is it isn't it just a fat white guy holding corn? Uh, a little bit, right? no, a little bit better. It's a, it's, uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's, well, I guess you wouldn't even call it a guy. It's literally a, a, uh, a corn cob on top of a body. It's just a, it's just a gender neutral corn cob. It's just a I gender, didn't know that. it is a gender neutral corn cob and it's got like a wavy hair from the corn husk. So, uh, if you get a chance and you want a stupid laugh, that might be worth taking a look at. So just Google Zach Elfron and then keep scrolling down until you see a corn husk. Yes, exactly. That's what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. I'll have to send now, it to see, you at some point. <laughs> yeah, please, please send me that. Put it, put it on Twitter. Um, but, but the Adrian Martinez thing, it is. I did want to mention that he has had a rough year. Um, 
And he does, he kind of has the same issue as Baker Mayfield. When he misses, he misses high. Uh, and JD Spielman, that's where he really shines, actually. He's got great leaping ability, and he goes up and he really makes Adrian Martinez look good. Yeah, and I tell you what, I expect since since he does throw the ball high, I expect Chase Young to be in his face and him to throw it a little bit higher and some safeties to get some easy interceptions. Uh, like I said, I'm not too worried about this game. It doesn't sound like you are either, but there are some uh, there's some true NFL talent on that uh, Nebraska roster to keep an eye on and to keep an eye out for. I, I just got the photo that you sent. You definitely need to share this on Twitter because it, it looks like if Bugs Bunny. I don't even know what to say. I oh gosh, that is traumatizing. Oh, I see. I think it's the most right. hilarious Anyways, logo I've seen. Uh, moving on. <laughs> yeah, let's everybody, get to the everybody best. Everybody's a Google that creepy logo. Yeah, let's uh, we'll roll that out to Twitter here uh, when I drop the episode. So uh, let's see. Let's let's get to the bets. So we got uh, three bets on the table. How did you do on your bets last week? I did really well. I went two and one. Uh, it's my second week in a row going two and one. And my overall bets, I don't obviously I don't cover every bet that I put down on this pod, uh, but I hit sixty percent, so I'm really happy. I think I've hit a little bit of a groove here, so I'm pretty excited for this week. Yeah, I believe I also went two and one as well. Really happy with that Giants bet that panned out really well when Daniel Jones decided to run that football for us. Oh yeah, yeah uh, that, we definitely discussed that last week with the difference. It's funny we we said that. We said the exact thing last week, that the difference between Daniel Jones and Eli Manning isn't so much the arm talent, it's that Eli Manning is a statue back there, and Daniel Jones has enough athletic ability to make stuff happen. With that offensive line being leaky, he's able to pick and pull and kind of do some things. Obviously, he's not Lamar Jackson, but you saw where he, you know, obviously on that touchdown run where he can't, he makes you pay. And he made them pay bad. And really, I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they probably should have won that game considering the position they were in. But they didn't, well, I, and that's I, good for the pocket. I also, I also put money on the Giants, so I don't agree that the Buccaneers should have won. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, when you have a glass second field goal and you push it right, I mean, we all know how that goes. But, hey, it's good for the pocketbook, so uh, thank you, Daniel Jones and Giants. So uh, let's see here. W- what do you got for your first bet this week? So last week, I went with two really square bets. Obviously, everybody remembers me taking the big spread with New England and also the big spread with Dallas. Only one paid off, okay? There's no shame in my game. If I got to go square to cash out, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to kind of go with another square bet uh, this week. I took New England, given 7.5 to Buffalo. The spread's already gone up to 8, so I feel like I got a pretty good number there. Uh, New England is currently 2-1 and one against the spread this year on their 3-0 and record. Buffalo is also... Two and one against the spread, though. So I thought that was that was interesting. Two three and O teams that are both two and one against the spread, facing off against each other. Uh, but rookie quarterbacks, Bill Belichick's not going to take it easy on them. So I'm going to go ahead and take the touchdown on the hook, or lay the touchdown on the hook. That's my best bet. Ooh, all right. Well, uh, I'm gonna start off with mine. Uh, we we kind of mentioned it earlier. I don't want to be a, I don't want it to be my trademark uh, trademark lock. Bet. but uh well, ever did you did you go you said you went two and one last week right yeah i went two and one okay all right just check it just double check it yeah no we went we went two and one last week we did all right but this uh first bet i want to go with uh, we kind of touched on it earlier i think the browns are gonna i'm not taking money line but i think the browns are gonna beat the ravens the ravens are favored by seven points so there you go um well, I, I, if I, you're not gonna if you're not gonna take the money line you're, you're just a coward Oh no! I have you to. Can't, be a, I, I, it's not a coward. It's being. It's being fi- fiscally responsible. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Who you got for number two? All right. So I got the L.A. Chargers given sixteen and a half to Miami. Now the Chargers are o two and one against the spread. One and two overall. The Dolphins are 0 and 3 and also 0 and 3 against the spread. So I understand that the Chargers are obviously, this isn't the best spot for them. And that's almost three touchdowns, right? And the Chargers are hurt everywhere. We talked a lot about cluster injuries with the Browns on the offensive line, the defensive backfield. The Chargers are kind of dealing with a, a, not cluster injuries, but they're hurt everywhere. Derwin James, Russell LeCong, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon is obviously not playing at all. Uh, Hunter Henry's still banked up. So this team is not healthy. And you said the Chargers uh, were going to cover? Or did you say? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm just <laughs> letting people know. I understand. I Let understand the warts with this bet. With that said, with all of that said, the Dolphins are a historically bad team. Okay? And... I don't think that Vegas really comprehends how bad the Dolphins are. This kind of reminds me of two years ago when the Browns obviously won no games and the 
you kept hearing the Sharps on all the podcasts saying, take the Browns, take the Browns, take the Browns, every week because they kept saying, eventually, eventually Vegas is going to figure this out because the public's fading them. Well, Vegas never figured it out, and the public kept fading them and kept making money. I think it's a very similar situation with the Dolphins. I'm going to take the square bet. I'm going to take the not-so-popular bet. I'm going to take the Chargers. Ooh, man. I tell you what, yeah, you like that Dolphins bet every week. I think you've picked the Dolphins uh, at least two weeks out of uh, at least, I feel like almost three weeks out of three. Uh, Dude, I'm all about cold cash. Cold cash over hot takes, my friend. Hey, there ain't, there's nothing nothing at all wrong with that. <laughs> all right, so uh, for my second game here, um, Denver is actually favored by three points over Jacksonville, which um, is kind of wild to me, but at the same time, I guess I get it. I don't know. This game seems super dangerous to me, but the thing is... It seems super dangerous to me, but you know who else is super dangerous? The legend of Gardner Minshew. Oh, yeah. Now, that, now. He, I, he, this, this, he's the hottest dude in the NFL, both physically and metaphorically. So I, I think like that's a safe bet. Yes. Anytime you can put money on Minshew magic, you do it. Yeah, so this one right here, this is a money line bet. I'm saying the Jacksonville Jaguars are just going to win this one outright. I would empty your bank account, dude. I mean, honestly, Garner Minshew is just, he, I don't even know, words can't describe how great he is for this league. Yeah, that is. I would, I would empty the bank account yeah. every week. I would empty it every week on him. It's there. nothing but profit. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no question. So I'm going to take that money line bet. And besides, I mean, really, I just, Joe Flacco is just so middling at this point. So I'm just not a believer all in him. I think he's definitely on the downslope. That you know, it's it's not even about Flacco. It's just it, it's, it's Gardner Minshew, baby. <laughs> you have a bulletproof plan, okay? That even our economy could follow. One, invest in Gardner Minshew. Two, profit. That's it. Though that's those are the steps, dude. And you nailed it. I think that's a great bet. My third bet is going to be the Saints. The Saints are getting three points from Dallas. This is the Sunday night game. Um, I think Dallas. Everybody faded New Orleans last week because of Teddy Bridgewater. I know Teddy Bridgewater had a really pathetic Week 17 performance uh, last season, and everybody is kind of down on him. I know Teddy Bridgewater hasn't been the same since that pretty gruesome knee injury, uh, but I, it's not really about Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not. That's not why I'm taking the Saints. I'm taking the Saints because they're a good team. I know the Cowboys are three and zero. And they're also three and zero against the spread. The Saints are two and two and one, one and two against the spread. But they beat the spread last week. Uh, you know, I don't want to say that the Cowboys are are due for a loss because that's the squarest, lamest thing you could say, and only losers say that. But the Cowboys are due for a loss. <laughs> they're due for a loss against the spread. So give me the field goal. Give me the three points. There you go. Okay, so uh, yeah, see, I tend to stay away from the Cowboys. I still haven't really. I haven't figured them out yet. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I can ever figure them out. So I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay away from them. But for my last bet of the week, right now, are you now, gonna have any? Are you gonna have any money left over to to take the last game? Because I thought you emptied your bank account on Gardner Minshew. Well, I mean, you know, I may, I may have put. I'm gonna put a nickel or something on this. I might put a, a stick of Bazooka Joe bubble gum on this last game. See if I can't double my my uh, just a, my bubble gum. Just a just a small unit. Yeah. Because the bit your big unit. Goes on Gardner Minshew. Yeah, I'm kind of ashamed <laughs> to say that wasn't my lock, but I, I have a feeling about this uh, this game that makes it my quote unquote lack of the week. So, the New York Giants are favored by three over the Washington Redskins. Um, I believe. Um, I'll shoot. Uh, help me out here. Name of New York Giants running back. Saquon Barkley? Saquon Barkley, thank you. Gosh, I kept wanting to, for some odd reason, I want to say the guy that started for him the year after, Miles Sanders or whatever his name was at Penn State. I keep, that always goes back to Miles Sanders or whatever it was. Anyway, uh, Saquon Barkley, um, he came up with a pretty bad, uh, it ended up being, an x-ray showed negative, but he had an ankle injury last week. The Giants are only favored by three. There's been a lot of calls from the Washington Redskins that Dwayne had, they want to get see some Dwayne Haskins action. I th- As they should. Yes, and I think that... Uh, Jay Gruden's going to pull the trigger this week, and I think we're going to see some Dwayne Haskins action. And what I really think is going to happen is the Giants are going to kind of get a decent lead. Case Keenum's going to not do much, and I think Dwayne Haskins is going to come in and he's going to make a game out of it. And I think him and Terry McLaurin are going to hook up uh, for a few scores, and I think that the Giants will fail to cover their three-point spread. I still think the Giants might win. But I still don't think they're covering that spread. I think it'll be another close one. So my lock, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that uh, 
I'm going to say Washington is going to is going to prevent the New York Giants from covering their spread. Dude, I am utterly shocked you're picking that game. I could not disagree with you more. Saquon Bartley, Barkley went down in the second round. I'm sorry, the second quarter, and the Giants didn't miss a beat. It's, I, I mean, obviously adding Saquon Barkley helps immensely, but if Wayne Gallman has to start, I don't think they're going to lose to the Redskins. Now, Saquon Barkley affects you enough to where they would lose to a team like the Ravens or the Browns, but the Redskins suck. We saw that the Redskins suck. I don't think that there's a huge difference between Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins right now. I do think that Dwayne Haskins is better, and he'll be way better by the end of the season. But if we're putting this in terms of the spread, I think you're talking like a 1.2 point difference. If that, I'm being very generous saying that Dwayne Haskins is two points better than Case Keenum because I honestly wouldn't put, I wouldn't even say that. But Wayne, and Wayne Goldman is extremely underrated. Wayne Goldman could start for half the teams in the NFL, and he's a fantastic blocker. So if Daniel Jones is back there throwing the ball, I mean, you got that's you're basically adding another blocker, and he's a pretty effective runner. He gets he got caught in a bad position because he got drafted by the Giants, and then the Giants immediately wanted to make a splash the next year and were in position to take Barkley, and they felt like they couldn't say no. So he got kind of caught in that weird Duke Johnson purgatory area, but he's still a very effective back. I think Daniel Jones is only going to get better week by week. I don't think that the Giants are world beaters, but I could not disagree with you more. And the Terry McLaurin hype, I get he's played great. I'm glad he's played great. Uh, you know, I know him personally, so I'm super happy for him. But at some point, you had to look at the Redskins and be like, okay, maybe he's getting the ball because he's the only thing they have. I mean, their tight end is Jordan Reed is done. He's done playing football. That's how bad this offense is. They got no one else. Well, looks like uh, we're gonna have to keep an eye on this one this, for next week. It'll be a, it'll be a either, either an I told you so. Well, it'll be an I told you so from one of us on this one. I, I see. I even looked at this game and I looked at the under. Uh, it's set at the this the total points is set at forty eight and a half right now, and I really looked at taking the under on that because I really think at the end of at the end of the day, I mean. Like I said, my my prediction is the Giants go up by a score or two, and then the Redskins kind of make a game out of it. But man, that forty eight and a half, I really think that you know this could be a really sloppy game because I I don't think you know I think Daniel Jones is coming off a pretty big high right now after you know basically taking control and winning that game. So I think he's kind of he might come a little bit not really down to earth, but just not have a good statistical game this week. So I was really looking at that under as well, and I'm not sure. Uh, I felt I felt more confident in my. Uh, my uh, romantic story of Dwayne Haskins coming in and throwing a ball into the sunset. Oh, to, to his best friend, Terry McLaurin. No, I, I, and I'm not saying I'm not betting on the giants. I, I'm not saying that I'm going to, I'm going to bet against you. I'm just saying I looked at that game and not one inch of me. <laughs> Don't touch it. Wanted to take, yeah, not what I didn't, I didn't want to touch that game at all. I mean, with the, on the Redskins side, I might later, I might dip into a little, uh, giant action but definitely no 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 on the Redskins now the under the under sounds like a much more reasonable bet because if you if you're right and Dwayne Haskins does make his first start there's a reasonable expectation that Dwayne Haskins you you don't really know what to expect from him right and there's not really a whole lot of talent around him and Adrian Peterson I I love Adrian Peterson I have him in a lot of fantasy football leagues he's he's not the dude he's just not the dude anymore and that's okay that happens Uh, he's still a very solid running back but they don't really have anything. So Dwayne Haskins has kind of got to be the guy, and he's got to be able to put the ball where it needs to be, and I don't know if he's ready to do that. Well, that's the other thing. If Dwayne Haskins was to come into that game, then you know it's because the Redskins are not putting up points. I would expect, you know, if, if they if that offense just does not get going, that's when he turned, That's when Gruden turns it over to him. That's when I, what I could see happening, and that's why the and under I, seems a little attractive to me. And I think Haskins is better than Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones just seems like he was ready to play. Daniel Jones is like if, if someone cloned Eli Manning, made him a better athlete, and then just it just raised him like Todd Marinovich, like just like a, a robo a, a robo QB. Like that's how Daniel Jones looks. He looks like he was just ready to just be plopped out there. So I, I, it doesn't surprise me that he had the coming out party he did, especially since everybody said he sucked. So the expectations were super low. Dwayne Haskins is not going to have that. Yeah, so uh, there you go. There we have it. That's our bets. So uh, I guess before we leave uh, leave you guys tonight or today or whenever you decide to listen to this, so I guess before we leave you, I know that uh, there is a little bit of Browns news out right now about a David and Joku. Uh, if you want to speak to that some more, Josh, uh, you were on that as soon as it came out uh, before we started the podcast. 
Well, I, it's not like I have any secret sources. My my phone rang and uh, CBS Sports gave me a little alert. But <laughs> but yeah, David Njoku, I guess he's not going to go for the wrist surgery. Uh, so it, it looks like he's going to be able to – basically what that means is he's going to be able to come back this season. So that is a good thing. Obviously, the Browns miss David Njoku. David Njoku is an elite athlete. We talk about him all the time as being someone that hasn't necessarily reached his athletic profile potential uh but someone that the browns utilize in the red zone and he's a major part of this offense so that is a bright hopefully he can come back healthy and he'll hopefully he comes back sooner rather than later yes i i would say it's good news as long as he can come back healthy so and i hope it happens and i hope that wrist heals up just fine and he can get back on the field sooner rather than later um yeah you know, and another thing I want to add to before we end this is the, the Browns are obviously trying to make changes. They're they're constantly bringing guys in to work out. A guy that they recently brought in to work out was Emmanuel Hall. A lot of people will remember him uh, due to his electric combine that he had. He's the wide receiver out of Missouri. Drew Locke would throw it up, and he would run under it. The guy's running like a 4-2. I believe he measures in at 6-2, 6-3. I'd have to go back and double dip into my notes. But that's someone that would be really interesting for the Browns to pick up. And I think it's really interesting that the Browns are looking – to go that direction. Maybe that's telling that, you know, once Antonio Callaway comes back into this offense, he's going to be playing a major role. Maybe that shows you that Antonio Callaway, they don't have a whole lot of faith in him to ever be the deep threat that takes the top off the offense. I don't really know what it means, but it is something interesting to monitor because this is not just some Joe Blow off the streets. Emmanuel Hall is somebody that has some potential and probably would have been on the Bears roster if not for some injuries bumping him up in the preseason. So there you have it. Um, I. I think, uh, as you said, it's something to keep an eye on, and uh, I don't know. I, I, it's always good to keep an eye out for talent. I just really want that. I mean, it just doesn't feel like. I don't know if they're just not co- completely confident in the wide receiver room, and they're just trying to find something that works. I mean, you see a burner like that. Uh, I don't know. It could also mean nothing because he's been a free agent since he got cut by the Bears a month ago, and no one has taken a shot at him. But uh, you know, we're, we're talking about bottom of the roster dwellers, so we could be we could literally be wasting breath right now. But I, it's just something to throw out there. You know, what I mean, it is interesting. Yeah, we could probably you know we could diagnose that and try to analyze it all day long. And like you said, he could just end up not even being on the team tomorrow. So uh, just something to keep in the back of your mind, just keep an eye on. So uh, like I said, uh, I guess Josh, you wanna you wanna throw out the Twitter handle. Yeah, follow me at Josh Keatley 16 uh, We've been doing some NFL draft stuff at Browns Wire. Um, hit us up with any questions. Follow me. I'll, I'll follow you back as long as you're not a creepy robot. Yep, and you can follow me at Travis underscore Rogers 4 on the Twitter. So uh, with that being said, uh, any final thoughts, Josh, or are we ready to roll out of here? No, man, I'm just excited for the week. I think that the Ravens are going to be a good bounce-back game. Again, no one needs to be depressed. No one needs to be sad. No one needs to be cussing at me on Twitter like they did last week. I made one small joke about not worrying about the Browns going for two or something silly, and everybody's cursing at me. Okay, we just need to calm down if the Browns lose, which I don't think they're going to. Yeah, I think I'll probably be a little bit more depressed than you next week if the Browns lose, but uh, that's all we got for you, so thanks, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. 